Today's video is brought to you again by a service that is truly in the world but not of it, and that is fide.email, which is everything that big tech is not. Fide.email is private, secure, and 100% Catholic. You should check it out. Visit fide.email. That's the website, not .com, but .email, and see for yourself. That's fide, F-I-D-E-I, -E the Latin word for faith. You may remember a few months ago, I presented a letter from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano describing the situation of a group of nuns in Italy who were, well, being persecuted by the Vatican. Their property was attempted to be seized. The Vatican was even trying to recruit the lay civil authorities, the actual Italian police, to intervene in what can only be described as, one, an unprecedented move, and two, a violation of the concordat between the Italian government and the Vatican. We now have an update from the nuns themselves. They have published a letter for their friends and benefactors, which would include those of you who had prayed for them. These are This is a relatively short letter, so I'll bring it to you here in full. And it will give you an update on their situation and their thoughts on really what you're seeing in the broader church for the persecution of traditional nuns. And this is especially relevant if you've been following the story of Bishop Olson down in Texas. And if you haven't, I'll have an update for you on that in the coming days. In thanksgiving of the nuns to friends and benefactors. After the interventions of His Excellency Monsignor Carlo Maria Vigano, on the matter that involved our monastery, we received material help and words of comfort from many of you. Many of you ask what our current situation is. The important news is that we are still in Pienza, at the Peace of the Mayor, in the coveted former seminary overlooking the Val d'Orsia, and that the attempt to sow divisions and disagreements between us has failed. Thank God, these trials have gathered us around our abbess, mother, beloved, and prioress, mother Margarita. For the rest, having received no response from the Congregation for Religious to the remonstrations of the latest decree, we have turned to the Supreme Tribunal of the Apostolic Signatura, which accepted the monastery's appeal. We are now waiting to know the outcome of the process. The diocese and the local church continue to have a hostile attitude towards us. The few contacts with diocesan priests had the purpose of inducing us to submit to the unjust decisions of the Holy See, without even trying to understand what the real situation was or if we needed anything. We are ignored as an annoying foreign body, but not, not only by the Piantino clergy, but also by the one who should be father and shepherd for us, our Bishop Cardinal. We have never seen or heard from the beginning of our affair. They treat us as if we were a problem to be solved. So much so that if it weren't for the priests who come from outside the region, we would not be administered the sacraments and Holy Communion even on days of obligation. And this should make us understand what the priorities are of those who, in charge of the good of souls, deliberately neglect the spiritual assistance of some sheep of their flock, and with it also the duty of material assistance. We understand it well. Our monastery is not profitable as a reception center for new arrivals, or a prestigious resort could be. It remains to be understood with what serenity they present themselves at the altar every day. But if on the official front there is the most ruthless indifference, we have been moved by the generosity of so many people who have mobilized to assist us. Those who come to bring us groceries or medicines, those who leave us flowers in the garden, those who write to us with affection, those who commission us for small jobs, who come to visit us and who support us with offers. 
We can only hope and pray that the example of so many lay people can touch the souls of prelates and clerics, making them understand that heaven is not conquered with empty proclamations, but with good works. As far as we can in what the present situation permits, we continue to live our Benedictine life, praying and working. This was certainly a moment of great suffering for us, especially due to the inquisitorial and intimidating action by people appointed by God to serve as church. We have been slandered, abandoned by many friends and relatives, betrayed by our pastors, for whom the lust for money is accompanied by the evident desire to eliminate anyone who wants to be faithful to tradition, to the immutable doctrine taught by our Lord to the apostles, to the mass ever, and to the monastic spirituality. But doesn't the same thing happen in the world too? Those who are faithful to their duty are blamed under pretense, while those who destroy and corrupt the institution in which they work are not only tolerated, but rather encouraged and rewarded. The subversion is general because the betrayal of authority is general. The Lord invites us to pray for them and to offer our sufferings for the salvation of their souls and for the benefit of the whole church. In the evolution of this painful event, we see God's grace operating with joy. All the attempts to divide us, to resort to lies and slander, to deprive the abbess and the prioress, to subvert the governing bodies of the monastery, have obtained opposite. The devil makes the pots, but not the lids, teaches the popular saying. And what was boiling in the cauldrons of the Curia of Pienza and of the Roman dicastery was revealed in its bleak evidence, a squalid real estate operation on the one hand and a perfidious action against our religion on the other. Of this failure of the suffered attack, we certainly don't have to thank ourselves, but the strength that came to us from God, which guided us in our firm opposition to an abuse of power and discovered the plans of those who wanted to get rid of us, as if fearing the effect of our prayers, or that our case could be taken as example by other communities no less persecuted than ours. Imagine how much a priestly soul can be led astray who sees the smoke and mirrors of the nuns, who attend the traditional mass and who follow the rule of St. Benedict. It is mainly for them that we offer all our trials, and we invite people who are close to us to pray to the Lord to convert these pastors and make them rediscover how beautiful it is to, quote, do charity and truth, as the apostle teaches. We ask many of our brothers and sisters who still hope under the illusion that there is not a crisis or that it is only temporary to look realistically at what is happening in the church and to the hierarchy and not to be intimidated by the abuses of power by mercenaries because they don't care about the sheep. What happens to us has already happened is happening and will happen in many other religious communities. They are above all those whose cases are no less known, who can understand our state of mind in the face of an attack that is something diabolical about it. But in addition to the persecuted convents and monasteries, there are many priests for whom loneliness and a sense of abandonment is even more difficult to deal with, especially when their ostracism is motivated by their fidelity to Christ. But each of us must, in good conscience, react to the tyranny that is establishing itself in the church, because a choral and determined response will demonstrate, first of all, that it is neither shared nor desired by the majority of the faithful, and secondly, that the present apostasy can be stemmed only with an unconditional return to our Lord. For too long we have put ourselves before Christ, dialogue with the world before duty to evangelize all peoples, as he commanded. But how to do it when one is alone, distracted from prayer and recollection, due to events that have nothing spiritual about them? How to do it when one is deprived of the sacraments, of the consolation of the Mass, of the nourishment of the Eucharistic bread? We would like to tell everyone that, as the Lord has helped us, so he will help also those who will not give up and compromise. The Lord has called us in religious profession to a state of perfection which requires great trials, like gold must be purified in the crucible. 
each of each of us as religious or clerics, the Lord asks fidelity in the little, in order to be faithful in the much. If we face this battle today, it is because we want to be a sign of hope and encouragement to many who, like us, believe they were alone. We want to show how, despite our infirmities, our limitations, our frailties, the Lord deigns give us strength and protect us, placing good souls at our side. And this also applies to all those who find themselves in our same situation. In the silence of the, the enclosure, even among religious, there is an exchange of correspondence, and many to our great consolation have testified to us of their spiritual support. Our role as contemplatives is to pray and do penance for the church. This task is vital for us, and we offer it for all our brothers and sisters in the church, so that their and our perseverance may be for us an occasion of charity in the profession of the one faith. Allow us to publicly express our thanks, first of all to His Excellency Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, in whom we have found a father and pastor of the Church of Christ, who takes great care of us and who defended and supported us in this battle for truth and justice. Thanks also to those priests who were not afraid of the repercussions and assisted us as true pastors. One day the Church will honor these silent heroes of our time. We are great, very grateful to our lawyers who follow us and defend us with faith and generosity. Thanks also to the serious and professional journalists who made our story fully known and did not bow to the diktats of single thought. Thank you to all of you who continue to support us so lovingly. Our Lord said, For whoever gives you a glass of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, I tell you the truth, he will not lose his reward. Think what your reward will be for the most moral, spiritual, and material help you are giving us. We gratefully respond to all this by assuring you of our prayers, asking God to bestow abundant graces and blessings upon you. All our thanks are united in the highest thanks to our Lord and spouse, Jesus Christ, who found us worthy to suffer with him and for him. To the divine spouse, Lord and King, all honor and glory for all ages. Signed, the Beloved Mother and Community. And there's your update. I find what they're doing to be inspiring, to be honest with you. But you notice something here. Since this story broke, and I covered much of like Vigano's explanation of this during Lent, so many of you who tune out during Lent may not have heard this, but they were engaging in essentially lawfare. The Vatican was. They were using the secular authorities to try to force the nuns out. And as I said before, that's a violation of the Concordat, which Vigano himself says. And if you don't know what the Concordat is... It was an agreement between the Italian government in 1929, I think it was, and the Vatican, which essentially was the admission by the Vatican of the legitimacy of the Italian state after the um, the end of the Papal States in 1870, but also the establishment of the Vatican as an independent city-state, and there were some agreements there, including the separation of the Italian government from the Catholic Church in a formal kind of way, and some other things. But... That agreement was violated, essentially, with this. Now, nobody seems to really care, because it's been a, basically a century since the Concordat was signed. But you notice something here about that. We also get that accusation coming down in, from Texas with Bishop Olson. Again, I'll have more information on that story here in the coming days, because that story is uh, taking some odd turns, to say the least. Bishop Olson is the one who has accused the Mother Superior of a convent of violating her, child's of, uh, her vows of chastity with an unnamed priest from outside the diocese, a priest he's never identified, while he himself identified the sins that the Mother Superior is alleged to be guilty of. There's some other updates to that story. I'll bring that to you soon. But I'm curious what you think of the story. And do you think this sort of use of uh, the law 
both in Texas and now in with the, with this group of nuns is a coincidence or do you think this is like the next step of the playbook for the more resisting recalcitrant nuns and religious who don't quite want to go along with what appear to be financial schemes to pay off Vatican debts? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It certainly does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.